0: This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome back to the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice Podcast, your biweekly source of news, views, and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Merck, Sharp, and Dome Corp, who has had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. I'm James Bannister, and today we're taking a break from our usual format to focus more on the practical aspects of diabetes care. Over the last 10 weeks, we've looked at recommendations surrounding treatment initiation, multifactorial management, and patient-focused care. However, how does all of this advice come together in the clinic, and how should we be optimizing our patient approaches? Today, we'll be joined by Professor Peter Rossing of the Diabetes Center Copenhagen and University of Copenhagen, and explore a number of sample case studies on how to implement guideline recommendations into daily practice. So, our first case is one Ms. C, an 81-year-old female. After exhibiting symptoms of pulmonary edema, her primary care physician referred her through to cardiology for further investigations. After these tests, her cardiologist diagnosed her with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, or HFREF, likely caused by a previous transient ischemic attack. As part of her investigations, a blood test revealed her HbA1c was 65 millimoles per mole, or 8.1% in old units. In terms of personal history, Ms. C is a non-smoker. Her BMI is 33.2 kilograms per meter squared and lives a sedentary lifestyle. So, Professor Rossing, considering the presence of HFREF as well as diabetes, what initial treatment regimen should she be given?
1: Well, given that she has uh, uh, type 2 diabetes, We uh, recommend starting with metformin and lifestyle advice uh, about uh, exercise and about a healthy diet. Uh, Metformin is our first-line treatment for everybody with type 2 diabetes. But uh, regardless of whether or not we get her into glycemic control, we would also like an SGLT2 inhibitor to be initiated uh, soon because uh, for her HEF REF, Uh, SGLT2 inhibitors have proven uh, benefit.
0: Thank you very much. Next, what lifestyle interventions would you recommend, given her ability to exercise may be impeded by the heart failure?
1: Obviously, lifestyle, uh, as for any subject with diabetes, would have to be accommodated to what is uh, feasible. And if you're 81 year old with heart failure, uh, then uh, maybe you have to start uh, very slowly with uh, what you can uh, actually uh, do it can be walking uh, it can be swimming whatever you like to do at a pace and uh, uh, intensity which suits your uh, uh, capacity so in other words it's not about running a marathon or it's not about 30 minutes of uh, jogging uh, every day uh, in a patient like this obviously it has to be adapted And then with time and as symptoms of heart failure are treated and and, uh, heart failure medication is is working, then uh, physical uh, capacity might increase and the ability to do more uh, will hopefully increase as well.
0: Thank you. And so looking specifically at the combination of SGLT2 inhibitor and metformin, should the metformin have a reduced dose in order to implement the SGLT2 inhibitor?
1: No, uh, we usually give metformin in full dose unless there's impaired renal function, not because of uh, heart failure. So it, it will be dose titration uh, over usually a month, going from 500 milligram once daily to twice daily to one gram plus a half gram, and then uh, one gram twice daily, uh, in order to avoid gastrointestinal side effects. Uh, SGLT2 inhibitor can be given either uh, full dose from beginning, or you can start uh, with uh, some of them come in, in, in smaller dose, and then you can increase after a couple of uh, weeks. Uh, but uh, usually, you don't need to adjust dose of SGLT2 inhibitor based on the uh, metformin or, or the heart failure. And what is important is that you don't, wait until you have poor glycemic control, and then add the SGLT2 inhibitor. It has to be added in this patient because of risk regardless of whether or not glycemia is under control with metformin and lifestyle.
0: Thank you. Finally, how should we select between available SGLT2 inhibitors in this case? Well, in a patient like this, of course, uh, you would
1: be interested in a drug that has proven benefit in uh, heart failure. And you can say that that both uh, darpagliflozin and uh, canagliflozin and embagliflozin has uh, shown in the cardiovascular outcome studies a benefit on heart failure outcomes uh, at both in patients uh, with or without heart failure uh, diagnosed at baseline. Then the only study which has been conducted uh, where heart failure was the primary entry criteria that was with darpapir closing.
0: Thank you so much. And just before we move on to the next case, do you have any final comments for our audience?
1: I think a final comment could be that in a patient like this, it might be difficult to to get into a control. And you can say a discussion between cardiologists and endocrinologists has been, should we skip the metformin and go straight for the SGLT2 inhibitor because of, of heart failure, I think we would need probably both drugs to get uh, into control. And therefore, uh, within short time starting both drugs is probably what would get us to target uh, in terms of a glycemic control. And then if uh, there's insulin resistance, it's important that heart failure usually uh, contributes to, to that. So the more you can manage to exercise, uh, the better you can treat both uh, potentially heart failure and diabetes.
0: Excellent. So moving on now to our next case. This is Mr. J, a 57-year-old male. Mr. J has struggled to control his hypertension since diagnosis five years ago, despite taking lisinopril and attempting lifestyle changes such as a reduced sodium diet. He recently experienced a suspected case of angina, which led him to make an appointment with his primary care physician and receive blood tests to investigate the issue. At this appointment, his blood pressure was 144 over 102 millimeters of mercury, and the blood tests revealed dyslipidemia, with an LDL cholesterol level of 4.2 millimoles per liter, and diabetes, with an HbA1c of 62 millimoles per mole. His BMI is 35.8 kilograms per meter squared. So, Professor Rossing, considering Mr. J's blood pressure, weight, high LDL cholesterol, and diabetes, there are a number of recommended targets to achieve according to guidelines, particularly against the background of concerns surrounding his cardiovascular health. How would you recommend approaching this patient in terms of treatment targets and goals of treatment?
1: Well, uh, given his uh, relatively young and, and and a complicated patient, I think it's important that we aim to address uh, all the risk factors, but obviously. It might be too much to address all of them uh, in the first visit. So it's about uh, uh, making a plan uh, in collaboration with the patient, explaining that there are these different uh, risk factors that need to be tackled. And both uh, the LDL cholesterol and the blood pressure are very important and strong cardiovascular risk markers. Having diabetes adds to that, but maybe actually the blood pressure and cholesterol is the biggest concern for his risk of uh, ischemic heart disease and stroke. So uh, I would uh, talk about uh, lifestyle factors uh, with a patient like this and a healthy lifestyle. He already started upon that. But in addition, could say blood pressure in a patient like this would often require a combination treatment, for instance, with a diuretic or a calcium channel blocker, need a statin to lower cholesterol, And for his diabetes with elevated glucose and uh, ischemic uh, heart disease or suspicion of of ischemic heart disease, then uh, metformin in combination with a GLP-1 receptor agonist would be a good choice, which would reduce the risk of cardiovascular events, would reduce his uh, obesity, would also help controlling blood pressure, uh, and also, uh, to a smaller extent, uh, affect his, his lipids. So it will be a discussion about the importance of the many risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And for diabetes, it would be starting metformin, but also quite uh, quickly add a GLP-1 receptor agonist to get the, the added benefit because of his angina, because of his hypertension and obesity.
0: Thank you very much. And you began to touch upon this in your previous answer, but what specific targets should be set? For example, ESC guidelines recommend aiming for a blood pressure of between 120 and 130 millimoles of mercury in some patients?
1: I would recommend trying to go for stringent targets, uh target for blood pressure is always being debated a lot, and some would say 140 over 90, some would say 130 over 80, and some would say uh, aiming for something even lower than, than this in a patient like him. I think 130 over uh, 90 would be the first step to try to achieve in this patient. Uh, and uh, as uh, although he has been struggling with the blood pressure already, usually you would need two or maybe even three drugs to achieve that target. And I think it's important to explain to him that uh, you need full dose of the lisinopril, but you also need uh, usually uh, to add, for instance, diuretics and a calcium channel blocker to get blood pressure into control, particularly in the, in the situation with diabetes, where there's often fluid retention, uh, even if he is trying to, Uh, reduce or cut down on his his salt intake and for his uh, lipids i think the target uh, should be uh, given that he has angina we should aim for an ldl cholesterol of of uh, 1.8 millimolars or even you could consider if you want to go lower uh, but at least 1.8
0: thank you and how would you go about achieving these stringent non-glycemic goals what would you recommend as initial management, including any lifestyle amendments?
1: I think I'll try to, to uh, use an approach with a combined risk, uh, uh, trying to illustrate to the patient how these different aspects of risk factors contribute to an increased risk, but also that we don't need to solve all these risk factors in one go. We can have uh, some time and, and take uh, one risk factor uh, or two at a time. And I think if we could get blood pressure under control, if we could add a statin, and if we could start treating uh, the the, uh, lipid, uh, the glucose, then usually uh, lipids would also improve when you start treating his uh, hyperglycemia. And if you had a combination of metformin and a GLP-1 receptor agonist, that would help on also the, the uh, both blood pressure and particularly the weight. And therefore, you could say, well, if you had these things on board, then you could uh, give that some time, give some time also for lifestyle uh, factors to be uh, further considered uh, dietary advice uh, in relation to uh, lipids as well and, and, and weight and see if that could improve. And usually that would need a couple of months uh, to, to prove or be disproven with a regular support monitoring how uh, weight and blood pressure is uh, developing. And then you could uh, focus on on either uh, more stringent targets or adding uh, other uh, factors to the treatment, either uh, increase dose of statin or uh, add uh, cholesterol absorption, acetamide or, uh, it, it, or something like that to improve the effect of statin if you are not at target uh, with a a high dose uh, or protein statin.
0: Thank you very much. And so now moving on to our final case for the episode. Mrs. Q, a 62-year-old female patient diagnosed with type 2 diabetes three years ago. Her condition has been well managed with a rapid escalation to a combination of metformin and linagliptin within the first year of diagnosis. Through lifestyle interventions and this combination therapy, Mrs. Q has kept her HbA1c below her individualized target of 53 millimoles per mole, which has led to increasingly less frequent appointments with specialist services and her primary care physician. After complaining of insomnia, fatigue, and unusually itchy skin, Mrs. Q arranges an appointment with her primary care physician, and subsequent tests confirm she has stage 3A moderate chronic kidney disease with an estimated glomerular filtration rate of 51 milliliters per minute. Her current blood pressure is 148 over 93 millimeters of mercury, and her HbA1c is 51 millimoles per mole. So Professor Rossing, EASD ADA guidelines would recommend adding an SGLT2 inhibitor at this stage to reduce the risk of further worsening of Mrs. Q's renal function. However, the label for these agents contraindicate initiation at an EGFR below 60 and her HbA1c is already below target. How would you proceed in this patient?
1: Well, uh, that's a a highly relevant and and not very unusual uh, case to see. And you could say when you are a target uh, for glycemia in a patient like this, you could uh, either evaluate if you want to uh, be more stringent in your target for glycemia, or alternatively, if you could uh, switch one of the ongoing uh, interventions, in order to uh, instead of, for instance, taking the DPP-4 inhibitor, uh, the SGLT2 inhibitor uh, could be added. There is, however, the concern with the impaired renal function that the uh, SGLT2 inhibitor has less effect on glycemia. Uh, on the other hand, you could say, well, metformin, a DPP-4 inhibitor like linacliptin, and an SGLT2 inhibitor, is not very likely to give uh, episodes of hypoglycemia uh, because none of these drugs usually cause hypoglycemia. So in that sense, uh, you could either uh, just add the SGLT2 inhibitor or you could, if you're concerned for hypoglycemia or if you want to see whether the effect of the SGLT2 inhibitor is sufficient to uh, maintain uh, hemoglobin A1C at target, then you could try uh, pausing linagliptin and uh, replacing it with an sdlc 2 inhibitor uh, because of the renal protection you'd like to obtain in this patient with chronic kidney disease. Then, of course, there's also the uh, uh, issue of blood pressure that needs to be maintained. Maybe that would be reduced by adding an sdlc 2 inhibitor with a little bit So maybe you could wait uh, for further management there, but otherwise that of course also has to be taken care of.
0: Thank you very much. And beyond anti hyperglycemic medication, what other management options would you recommend for this patient?
1: Obviously, uh, blood pressure, as just mentioned, is an important factor both for the kidney and for the vasculature and for the uh, retinopathy and so on. But, But blood pressure is important, Almost any patient with type 2 diabetes will also need uh, treatment for cholesterol. We don't have any values here. And you could say uh, we also need to evaluate, particularly given that there is chronic kidney disease, we need to evaluate urinary albumin excretion rate. Usually in a patient like this, blockade of the renin angiotensin system would help controlling blood pressure and would also protect uh, the kidney. Uh, and, and would also give us some indication of the overall renal and cardiovascular risk in this patient. So for this patient, in addition to controlling the glycemia, we need blood pressure control, dyslipidemia management. We need to also discuss lifestyle if that's not already uh, part of the, uh, the, the, the current uh, management, uh, and also always when, when adding new drugs Considering first if lifestyle uh, can be improved, but with CKD, no lifestyle factor can can compensate from the the need to try to reduce progression of kidney disease and the cardiovascular events associated with with uh, dysglycemia. Uh, so in that sense, the SGLT2 inhibitor would be needed, and uh, um, as, as mentioned, either in combination with, with the dbp 4 inhibitor and with metformin, or just with
0: metformin. Thank you very much. And just using what time we have remaining, could you provide any final comments for this case for our audience?
1: Well, I think this is uh, one example where uh, you could say if obesity was an issue, then uh, it would be interesting in the future to see if the combination of SGLT2 inhibitors and GLP one receptor agonists would add to the cardiovascular and renal protection in in a patient like this. We don't have much data on this, only for short-term studies showing added weight and and glucose benefits, Uh, but it would be interesting to see if there would be an added uh, kidney and cardiovascular protection.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Professor Rossing. And thank you to all of our audience members for joining in for this special episode. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast on your favorite app or recommend us to your colleagues. You can also access all of our free accredited CME content at knowledgeandpractice.eu, including interactive case studies and packages for small group learning.